Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, listen, um, we're in this series, Life on Mission. And uh, we're kind of halfway through the series where we've been talking about essentially this great adventure that Jesus has called us on. He, he kind of depicts it in Matthew 28, 19, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I, and I love that. I love that he's invited us into that. Now, in the last several weeks, what we've talked about, we've talked about first, there's five actions that we're talking about, and we've talked about the first two. The first one is connect, right? That we're supposed to be connecting with people, people who are lost, people who are disconnected. We're connecting with sinners, just like Jesus did. Like, he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. That's who he hung out with. He's building relationship with those people. Then, also, we, we need to, the second word we talked about was serve, right? That's when we move away from, not away from, but we move from just friendship to family, where we start bringing them into the circle, where we start making time, sacrificial time for them. It's where our, our love and our action, our, our love and our, and our faith starts, you know, becoming action. We start serving people around us, right? And we do that not for, not because they're a project, not because we're trying to win them to Jesus. We do that because that's who we are. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And we're just basically living out the values of Christ. And when we do that, we serve other people. I talked about that last week, that serving is not something that we, it's serving us, it's something that flows out of our relationship with Christ. So we do that. These two actions are vital if we're going to be witnesses for Jesus. But then there's what we're going to talk about today, and that's when we have to start talking about Jesus. Now, don't tune out. I realize that we start talking about witnessing, sharing your faith, people get all weirded out, like, oh no, you know, does he mean I've got to get my Bible and go slap some, some person across the face with my Bible? Is that, what it, is that what that means, you know, sharing my faith? Does that mean I have to go to the Ped Mall and scream hell and damn, damnation to those students that are walking into bars? Is that what I have to do? You know, is that what sharing our faith? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when we have made connection with somebody, when we have basically brought them into the circle and we start serving them and we start treating them as family, we start, we start loving on them, when we start doing that, there will inevitably be an opportunity to share our faith with them. You won't even have to try real hard. They'll just ask you, hey man, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this, right? In fact, our memory, memory verse for this week is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I love this passage, by the way, but it's, it's a powerful verse. Uh, this is the Apostle Peter speaking, and he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I love that. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Emphasis on the Lord. That's kind of old English language, basically. It kind of means master, owner, one who possesses me, right? And so... Peter's talking and says, listen, how you, how as followers of Jesus Christ, all of us are followers of Christ. If you're here, you have a relationship with you. You're a follower of his. The way you're supposed to relate to Christ is that he is your master. He is your owner. Your life is surrendered completely to him. That's the idea behind this. He goes on. He says, always be prepared 
to give an answer to everyone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I want you to notice here, it says, always be prepared to give an answer, okay? Answer uh, assumes a question. So somebody's come along and said, hey, why, why, do you, why do you believe that? Or why do you do that? Or, you know, what do you think about, about what's going on in this world? You know, they have those kind of questions that come to you. Always be prepared to give an answer, he says, to everyone who asks you to give the, re- the reason for the hope that you have. And the answer that we give oftentimes is the reason for our hope. That's usually what prompts a question about faith is, why are, you, why are you so happy? I mean, don't you see the world's falling, falling apart around us? Why are you so happy? Why do you have peace? Why is there, you know, I mean, aren't you going through all this hardship and yet it sounds like you still have joy? What's going on? What's, why? Why are you this? And what you're doing is you're sharing the reason for your hope. The reason for my hope is flat out Jesus Christ. When we sing that song, you are enough, that's exactly what that means. That when everything else falls apart around us, Jesus, you are still enough. And that's enough to give me hope and peace in this world. You're enough. But I want you to notice the warning that Peter gives, though, when we're talking about sharing our hope or giving the answer for our hope. He says, do this with gentleness and respect. Not the bullhorn. Not the beat over the head with the Bible. (laughs) With gentleness and respect. Gentleness means we understand where they are. It means we don't force Jesus upon them. It means we go as slow as we need to. And this may take weeks, it may take months, it may even take years with your neighbor. We are being gentle. Respect is to respect the person enough to answer their honest questions. We respect them enough and treat them as humans. We respect them enough to, 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 disagree, to allow them to disagree or to, or to challenge us. We respect the fact that they, are, they have a free will given to them by God. We respect them means that we treat them as humans because they are made in the image of God. And so that's the warning that Peter gives. He says, yeah, I want you to share your faith, he says, but I want you to do it. When you give your answer, I want you to do it with gentleness and respect. Never dehumanizing another person. Never looking down upon them as if you are better than they are. Because that's not gentle. That's not being respectful. But understanding that they are humans. And that they are loved by Jesus. And that should be the motivation for us to do this exactly that way. Right? So I'm going to give us a little way to talk about what we're going to be talking about over the next, um, this, this morning. Um, I want us to walk the walk and talk to, I know it sounds cheesy, doesn't it? <laughs> walk the walk, talk to, I've, like that's old. You've heard this probably before. Walk the walk and talk the talk, all right? It's, it's true, right? We understand this principle in, in general culture, right? When, like if you meet somebody and they're just always showing off and bragging and talking and talking and talking, they talk a lot of talk, but if, when they don't walk the walk, how do you feel about them? You're like, yeah, just, you listen, you like, you close your ears, you don't want to hear it. Because it's, it's like, it's fluff. There's no substance to it, right? And so what gives a person the ability to talk the talk is that they're actually walking the walk. 
And that's really the challenge for us today. I want you to internalize that in your own heart, in your own spirit, that as a witness, we're going to walk the walk. We're going to talk about it. It means we're going to live a life that is attractive to people. People are going to see our lives and are going to say, I like that person. I love how they respond. I love their attitude. I love their general demeanor. I like that person. You're walking the walk. It's going to create an opportunity for them, you to say something about your faith and start talking the talk, right? We're going to look at a guy today that has this unusual opportunity to share about Jesus. His name is Philip. And, but here's the context of the story. We're going to look at Acts chapter 8, but before that, uh, Jesus has been crucified and resurrected. And let me tell you something. Resurrection changes everything. Before the resurrection, before the resurrection, there was a little bit of confusion among the disciples. Before the resurrection, they weren't sure what's next. They were, in, they were hiding out. They were worried that they themselves would be crucified because Jesus had been crucified. But then Jesus comes back to life again. He's resurrected. And I love this. He starts appearing to them, and they're like, man, that is, that's amazing. And they embrace this new movement. Jesus calls them on mission. We talked about that, Matthew 28, 19, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Be, you know, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He calls them on mission, and so they embark on this mission. It starts out with just 120 followers. That's all they are. It's 120 of them. But very quickly, they turn into 3,000. I mean, very quickly. And then the next, time, next thing we know, there are 5,000. This all happens within the first few chapters of the book of Acts. And so you remember Acts 1.8? In Acts 1.8, it says, they will be, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's happened. In Judea and Samaria, that's also happened. And then to the ends of the earth. Now, this is where the ends of the earth is starting to happen. We're going to see this in Acts chapter 8 with the person of Philip. Philip's a new believer. He's an apostle. He's kind of a very respected man. People... You know, he, he, I don't have time to get into his whole backstory, but he's a very respected, influential man, and he wants to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And that's really what I'm trying, this whole series, Life on Mission, you know, we have, motiv- I have, as a pastor, I have motivation of why I want to talk about certain things, but the reason why I want to talk about this is because I want us to want to be witnesses for Christ. I want us to want to be witnesses for Christ. That we daily walk around with seeking out, searching for opportunities to share our faith with other people. Okay? And that's what Philip is. Philip just wants to talk about Jesus. That's all he wants to do. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. That's one of the places that Jesus said. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. So he talks about Jesus. Crowds listened intently to Philip, like they're wanting to hear what he has to say, because they were eager to hear his message and, he, and, see, the miracle, and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Do you see what's happening here? Philip is preaching the gospel. He's sharing his faith about Jesus. He's sharing his story about Jesus. And then God comes along and accompanies his message with these miracles of demons being cast out and people who are lame and cannot walk being healed. This is what's going on. And what I love about this is that as a result of that, it says, great joy came to that city. Great joy came to that city. 
know, that's what God wants for us. Like, have you ever asked yourself the question, why, is, why are there, you know, 30 churches in the Iowa City area? Why, do we all, why are we all here from different denominations and whatever? What's the purpose of that? Because God is establishing his kingdom and he wants to bring great joy to Iowa City, to Coralville, to North Liberty, to Cedar Rapids. I mean, he just wants to touch lives, right? And what happens is, is that when he touches one life, like there's a young guy in our, that started coming in our church a couple weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, gave his life to Jesus. He actually joined my life group. His name is Jay. And man, Jay is just, he's just hungry for God. I mean, he's not perfect. He's got some things, you know, but he came to me. Uh, he, know, he knew I, I, I rode motorcycles and he rides a motorcycle. And so he asked me if I would bless the bell on his one. Are you familiar with that, with the bell on a motorcycle? I know. I, I had to explain in the first service too. Um, so basically, uh, when you buy, a, like if you go to a dealership and you buy a Harley or something like that, the guy, the salesman will, per, out of his own pocket, purchase a bell. It's like a little bell that gets attached to your bike because you can't buy, you're not supposed to buy your own bell. Somebody's supposed to give you the bell, right? And so they'll purchase a little bell and then they'll they'll attach it to your bike and basically it's kind of like to keep the gremlins away and all that kind of stuff, right? That's the idea behind it. Well, what's uh, what's kind of developed out of that is this idea that we're going to pray for God to, you know, protect the person, protect the bike, protect the person on the bike, you know? And so he asked me, would, would you pray um, for, you know, for my bell, bless the bell, and, you know, for things to be safe and all that? So I said, sure, absolutely. Just bring it over here. I'll pray for you. So I we came after service a couple weeks ago and put the bell in my hand and put my hand over it and prayed over the bell. And then I took the advantage to go ahead and pray over him and for his life and for his faith in Jesus, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, just had a nice prayer time. <clears throat> and then he texted me last night. He says, hey, there's two other guys, <laughs> and they want to know if you will pray for their bell. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and, so, and so this is what happens. See, when, when, when somebody gives their life to Jesus, what happens is not only is their life changed, but then their family starts to change. And when their family changes, then their neighborhood begins to change. And when the neighborhood changes, the city gets impacted. And when the city gets impacted, the entire region gets impacted. This is God's plan to build his kingdom here on this earth. And it starts one person at a time as we share our faith with one person at a time. In fact, Cedar Rapids, God wants to use you as you share your hope for Jesus. Your hope in Jesus. You will, be, you will bring great joy to that city. So just, just press in there. Be witnesses for him. And so that's our vision. Our vision is to see that happen here in Iowa, in, 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 in all of eastern Iowa, is we want to see people's lives being transformed and changed. And it starts with connecting with people, serving them, and then sharing our faith with them. That's exactly what Philip does. Philip was just a witness. That's all he was. He was just a witness. He walked the walk, and people saw that. And so they asked him, hey, why? And he had an opportunity to share his faith. And that's really key for us, guys, is that we live our life in such a way that people want to know more about our faith. Amen? Are you living that way? You know, the people around the, around the, uh, the, you know, the break room and at your work have conversations about you and say, hey, I wonder what, I wonder what Rich is up to. You know, what's going on with him? You know, why is he this way or why is he that way? I'm not talking about weirdness. 
I'm talking that they see something that's attractive in you. Live your life in such a way that people want to know more about your faith. Then God takes Philip and he sends him on yet another mission. Verse 26, it says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he gets sent on this mission to basically go to another place. He's up in Samaria, which is in the northern part of Palestine. He gets sent to the south. Uh, and this angel does it. You know, like sometimes I wish that that's how God would direct us, right? Like, Rich, an angel appears, Rich, don't go right, turn left. You know, I wish that because there's a lot of things, a lot of mistakes I would have avoided if that's how God cannot always directed me. But that's not always, oftentimes, the way that God directs us. Oftentimes, the way God directs us is through these through his still small voice, through a sense that we have, an impression by the Holy Spirit about how we should do, how we should move. And that's exactly what Philip is doing. He's open to God's spirit and his leading, and God leads him. And that's key for you and I. Like you can wake up tomorrow morning and you can say, hey, Holy Spirit, just help me see the opportunities that are in front of me. Help me see them. Help me notice what you're doing in the spiritual realm that I may be missing because I'm so busy with my life and so consumed with what I'm doing. Help me see the opportunities that are in front of me. That's how the Holy Spirit oftentimes leads us. I remember when I was pastoring down in um, uh, Leesville, Louisiana. <clears throat> Just so you kind of explain Leesville a little, bit, a little bit, the locals there call it Sleesville. Okay? It's not an outside term. That's an inside term. Like they themselves say, this is what this place is like. This is just a, it used to be at least I don't know if it's still that way, but <clears throat> I was pastoring in this in this town and um, and I would every day I would leave my apartment to go to the office to the church office and I would drive down Highway 171 south towards where our church was and on the way there was a Circle K gas station it was kind of a popular spot right in the middle of town and so on a regular basis I would stop at the Circle K to get a donut or coffee or something like that you know I I do that regularly every day. <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple donuts too. I don't know. I just, anyways, but I would do that. And so this particular day, I stopped at this Circle K to get my donut and coffee, and I'm standing in line to pay. There's probably about three or four people in front of me. And I'm standing there. While I'm standing there, I feel like, you know, not an angel saying, Rich, do this. If it had been that, I still probably wouldn't have done it. But anyways, the, the, I felt this impression from the Holy Spirit saying, you see that girl behind the counter? Tell her that I love her. Uh, not I love her, Jesus loves her. <laughs> tell, tell her that Jesus loves her, okay? Just tell her that. And so I, you know, I'm a spiritual person, so I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't wanna do that. <laughs> There's all these people here, I'm not, I don't wanna embarrass her. You know, that's, I don't wanna embarrass her. I, I was embarrassed, but I don't wanna embarrass her, right? And so I'm like arguing with the Lord and the line's getting shorter and shorter. I'm getting closer and closer and I'm just arguing with the Lord and I get up and she says, that'll be $3. And I just hadn't put $3 down and I walked out. Didn't say a word. <clears throat> and so I get in my car and I start driving off and you know those times like when you, you're supposed to say something, you're supposed to do something and you don't. You know, I mean, it was all over me. I was, <laughs> I, I was like, I know Lord, I'm driving. I know Lord, I should have done it. I'm like trying to repent. And say, I'll do it next time, you know. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to do it now, actually. <laughs> so, so I did a U-turn, went back to the Circle K. And I mean, I'm like mustering this all up, you know. And I'm a pastor, by the way, okay. So I get it how difficult this can be sometimes. But 
I come, come back around to the Circle K, I walk in the doors, and as I walk through the doors, I notice that the count, at the counter, there's another person there. She's not there anymore. And immediately my thought was, oh, Lord, you were just testing me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, you just, it was just a test. You were just trying to see if I was going to be willing to do it. I didn't really have to do it. You just wanted me to be, wonder if I was willing to do it, right? That's, that's what, what I'm thinking. And I'm like trying to, you know, make myself feel better when suddenly the, these double doors open up and there she comes walking out. And I knew that the Lord said, no, it's not a test. <laughs> and so I walk up to her and I introduce myself to her and she, she's weirded out already. It's like some customer just walked up to me and said, my name's Rich, what's your name, you know? Lindsay was her name. <clears throat> and um, so I walked up to Lindsay and I said, hey, Liz, I know this is weird. And she's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I was standing in line a little while earlier, earlier and I felt like I was supposed to say something to you, but I didn't. I kind of chickened out and I left. And uh, I just came back because I, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And she's staring at me and then, I mean, like this stoic stare, and then all of a sudden a tear just started just flowing down her cheek. And she said, thank you for saying that. I really needed to hear that today. And then that's it. I didn't really have any more conversation with her. I tried to see if she, I, if she was there other days and seemed to miss her and then found out that she got a nursing job and left. And, but... <clears throat> My prayer is that Lindsay is following Jesus today. I don't know. I'm not saying that that made her follow Jesus. But what I'm trying to point out is that we need to be attentive and listening to the Holy Spirit as he puts opportunities in front of us to share our story, to share the reason for our hope. And that's exactly what Philip, what Philip was doing. Verse 27 says, so he started out and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of, of Ethiopia. Was a, Ethiopia was a kingdom at that time. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from, reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, this is very important, Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless... Someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit, sit with him. So Philip listens to the Spirit. He sees an opportunity. Do you see what Philip's doing here, by the way? Just, just as a side note, do you see what Philip's doing? He is, he, the Holy Spirit directs him. He, see, he knows what he's supposed to do. And he seeks out, he, it says he ran to, alongside the carriage. Like he's looking for an opportunity to do what? What we've talked about already. To connect. To build relationship with somebody. So that's the first step, is for us to, to seek opportunities to connect with other people. And that's what, exactly what Philip does. He looks for an opportunity to connect. And he basically starts talking to this Ethiopian. And what's really cool is that God was already... I love how God orchestrates these, these opportunities for us. Because if we are open to it and we seek the opportunity to connect, it's oftentimes what happens is that God, without our knowing, is actually working in the life of that person is already speaking to them, just like Lindsay at Circle K was already doing. I don't know what exactly God was doing in her, but was already working in her life so that when you, in obedience, say, hey, can we talk? They're ready. And this is what happens with this Ethiopian. I want you to also notice that what, how, how this happened, right? Philip asks a question. Do you understand what you are reading? 
So often the way we think we have to share our faith is we have to be declarative and walk up to somebody and say, look, this is what God says. This is what the Bible says. This is how you're supposed to do it. This is how you're supposed to live. That's not what Philip did. He just, in humility, says, hey, do you, do, you, do you understand what you're reading? Do you get it? I can't tell you the number of conversations, spiritual conversations I've had with people along the way that all started with just a very simple, a very simple question. How do you feel about that? I love that. When somebody's like ranting about local things or whatever, and they're ranting, and I'm, I'm like, oh, how do you feel about that? Now, they've kind of already been telling me how they feel about it, but how do you feel about that? It kind of opens up the door. And I've had some of the most profound, most deep spiritual conversations just asking a question. And don't be afraid to ask, you know, how do you view things spiritually? Because they'll tell you. Verse 32, it says, um, the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was like a, led like a lamb to the slaughter as a lamb is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. This guy happened to be a seeker of God. He wanted, he wanted to know truth, which I, I'm going to say something here. I think that many, many people that you think are not, they're far from God, they're actually seeking. They want to know. They want to they know what's true, what's real, what's, what's really truly, truly life-giving. And we know the answer to that, right? We know that Jesus is the answer. But this is kind of like a little bit of a softball opportunity for Philip because this guy really wants to know. He's reading Isaiah 53, and it's, Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus. And so he asks Philip the question, hey, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if I How can I know this stuff unless somebody teaches me? I love this. You know, here's a fact is that we have to start where people are. People have questions can't assume about where they, what they believe or what they think and all that. I mean, you can make some general assumptions, but for the most part, you just really need to ask questions. You need to start with listening. It doesn't need to be some prepared speech or some, you know, rehearsed gospel message or the four spiritual laws or, you know, a tricky question like if you, hey, if you died today, you know, would you go to heaven? <laughs> those kind of questions. I mean, those are all valid in some sense, but the reality is you start where they are. You need to ask questions. You need to know where they are. You start with listening. Listening is where it begins. I want you to notice what Philip does as well. He doesn't beat around the bush either. Philip doesn't just, uh, he's, not, he's not tentative. When he sees the opportunity, when he sees that there's this God-given opportunity, he actually steps into it. He actually climbs up in the, in the carriage with him, and he starts having a conversation with him. Now, he's not, he's not abrasive. He's not, you know, judgmental. He's not abusive. He's gentle. He's respectful, but he's a willing witness. That's really what I want for us is for us to just be willing witnesses. And so Philip leads this Ethiopian to Jesus. And I want you to notice what I did not say. I did not say that Philip won him to Jesus. Philip converted him. All that stuff talks about this battle of trying to change somebody's mind. Have you really, have you ever examined that? about trying to change somebody's mind? Does it work with conflict? Does it work with argument? Does it work? I mean, like, okay, let's just talk about our 
spouses, right? How many arguments have you won? Have you, I mean, how many times have you changed your spouse's mind by arguing her down? Right, zero. It doesn't really work, right? That's not what I'm talking about, right? Then he leads them to Jesus. That's what he does. He's a witness. He recognizes that he's a witness. He recognizes that he's a reliable guide. So he leads them to Jesus. He showed people who Jesus is, and that's how they encountered Jesus Christ. It's not ideas that we're wanting them to follow. It's not theology or doctrine that we want them to embrace. It's not a church that we want them to join. It's a person that we want them to trust. And that's what we do. We lead them to Jesus. We tell them about Jesus. They learn to trust Jesus. And we know, we, we know by experience that if they could just trust Jesus, their life will change. Their hearts will change. They'll find, they'll find peace. They'll find joy. They'll, they'll repent of their sins. They'll turn their life. Their behaviors will change. All that stuff changes when they find Jesus. That's what we do. So our takeaway for today is walk the walk and talk the talk. Walk the walk, right? That comes first. We need to live a life. <clears throat> we need to love, live a life that... Um, that people see and they say, that's attractive. I, I, I like what I'm seeing here. I like, I, like what, I like that person. Nothing is more confusing to a person who doesn't know Jesus that they see somebody who claims to be a Christian that doesn't live for Jesus. That's the most confusing thing for a non-believer. It creates all kinds of distrust. It creates all kinds of confusion. And they're not sure that they even want to have a conversation with us, right? So we need to walk the walk, right? We need, to, we need to live a life that's attractive, a life that people see and they say, I want to be like that. And then we need to use words. We need to talk the talk. There's a little phrase out there. You've probably heard it. It's from Francis of Assisi, a priest and monk from, I can't remember what century, but um, it says... Uh, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. You heard that before? Yeah, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. It's, I like it. I mean, I like the quote. I've, I've used it in the past. Um, and I get, what I get what Francis of Assisi was saying. He's saying that if you don't walk the walk, you really don't have the ability to talk the talk. That's what he's saying. So he's saying live your life in such a way that when you have to preach, then you can preach. That's really what he's saying. And so, but, it, but this idea that, you know, I've heard that out of Francis of Assisi's quote, there's this idea that you don't ever have to preach the gospel. You never have to share pe- with people. That's not true. That's not biblical. It's not accurate to what the Bible teaches. We must, we must use words. Like I can act with love. I can be kind. I can do all of these things. I can have wisdom. And people might observe that and say, and their, their assumption is, wow, that's a good person. It may even be attractive to them, but, but if I don't use words, they will never get to know that it's my hope in Jesus Christ is the reason why I love that way. That's my hope in Jesus Christ is the reason that why, why when I really want to knock your head off, I actually act in kindness towards you. It's my hope in Jesus Christ that does that. And that's why we have to use words. But I think sometimes we talk ourselves out of sharing Jesus because, like I said, we have to use words and we think that we don't have the right words to say. All right? Listen, <clears throat> there are no right words. I mean, I'm all, 
It's never helpful to have some kind of canned preparation or some prepared, memorized thing. In fact, it bugs me when people try to witness to me. Like, like they don't start by asking questions. Like, if they would ask me a question, they would realize I shouldn't use this canned sermon that I'm about to tell them because he's a pastor. (laughs) You know, they, they, they they would get that, right? But they don't. They don't ask. And so they start with their presentation. I'm sympathetic to that because I want people to share their faith. But it's, but it's obviously very rehearsed. And it feels inauthentic to the extent that I'm a pastor and I don't even want to listen to it. About a month ago, I was uh, walking um, through the farmer's market in Cedar Rapids. And, uh, man, my time's flying. Um, <clears throat> walking through the farmer's market in Cedar Rapids. And uh, there's a place there, a, a group of people that were, I don't know, they had a, like a trailer and they had these uh, um, bullhorns and like these billboards and, and they were just, they were just shouting hate and you know, God hates this and God hates that and it was just, it was really, really harsh and very, very direct and um, I was listening to that, you know, listening and and, 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 you know, I mean, some of the things that they were actually saying, some of, some of the, like, in specific, like, you pulled out some things that they said those were actually true, they're biblical, but, but, the, but the way they were saying it, and then there's a lot of things that were saying were not biblical, um, and, and I know that in their mind, I'm trying to give them benefit, I know that in their mind, their, their desire is to basically fulfill the Great Commission and preach the gospel to all people. I know that's what they want to do, but it's a wrong application of Jesus' command. There's no connection there's no serving. Consequently, people are walking by saying, man, these people are just weird, and I don't get it. And they're hateful, and they're mean. And I know that. <clears throat> if someone makes a connection with me and loves me enough to, to serve me, there will be a time. There will be a time where I will, where I will, I will want to know why. Why are they doing that? I think another reason we talk ourselves out of sharing Jesus is because we don't, we don't think we're good enough. Like we're flawed. We've made mistakes. We feel like our mistakes have basically disqualified us from sharing our faith. And um, yeah, we are flawed. But the thing about that is that when you're human, but you're seeking after Jesus, when you're human, but you're seeking after Jesus, um, People recognize the humanity. Somebody who th- who's a Christian thinks that they're better than other people generally are not very good at sharing the love of Jesus with other people. It's very judgmental. But when you re- recognize that you're just human, but you know Jesus, you recognize that you're a mess and the person you're talking to is a mess, then what happens is you have an ability to say, hey, we're both a mess, but man, let's talk about the person who can actually change our life. Let's talk about Jesus. Amen. See, you have a story. I have a story. Your story might be dramatic. It might be just a normal story, but people need to hear your story. Look, I am the product of divorce. Rich Green. My parents were divorced when I was 14 years old. I grew up with an identity crisis. I grew up with a lot of insecurities. I had a broken identity. And Jesus healed me of that. And there are people right now that are struggling with their parents' divorce. There are people right now that are struggling with their own identity. There are people right now that are broken. And when I share my story, there's an identification. They get it. And they realize that Jesus can do something about it. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. So how do we walk the walk? How do we talk the talk? Let's connect. 
Let's serve. And let's share our faith. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, I pray for Cedar Rapids right now, Lord. I pray that you will use them, Father, as they, as they share their faith with those around, Lord, that you will use them, Lord. Help them, to, help them to connect, help them to serve, help them to share. And those of us here, Father, help us as well to have opportunities where we can connect and share our faith with other people. In Jesus' name.